Uh, my kids and my family will say, they can't find something, and I just sit and wait. <laughs> and then um, I'll go find it whenever they ask me. Well, now they say, Mom, do you know, hold on, I'm going to look under my bed, because that's usually where it is, and that's where I find it. So they go back and look. And so it was always fun. Um, I know that looks like it's a whole lot. Oh, I wasn't ready for that yet, Zach, but we'll go there. I don't know if you've noticed where the arrow is. We'll refer to this picture in just a second. Um, but I am so glad to be here this morning, and I am ready to be um, vulnerable right here. I am ready to take everything that's going to come at me at lunch, and everything's going to be good. Um, this is my family. For those of you who don't know, we have three children and one precious grandbaby. That's the most important. And um, we're going to get to see her this next weekend. It's her one-year-old birthday, and so um, we have my oldest son is Jonathan. He's 25. Our middle child, Isaac, is 23, and our daughter is 20, and um, those are the people I get to call my children. So today is Mother's Day, and we're celebrating mothers. Whether you are a mother or you have a mother, today we're going to take a little bit different um, aspect of motherhood. I became a mother 25 years ago. Um, it's all I ever wanted to be, um, and it was all I ever dreamed of when I became a mother. We had Jonathan first, and he was such a lovely child. And um, Pastor Scott and I thought, man, we know how to do this. We've got this together. Um, this kid, you know, this parenting thing is not hard. You know, we would go out to lunch, and one of the, I remember eating and him sitting in his car seat, you know, like at nine months old, just sitting there. Well, because he was just a good kid, and he has always been, um, even today, he is good. But he was good, and he was easy, and we thought we had it down. And then two more came along, and we realized we weren't near as good as we thought we were, and they weren't near as easy. Um, and probably Jonathan became a little more difficult when his brother came, and there was two of them. Um, they weren't perfect, but they were great kids. I can look back on raising them, and, you know, we had troubles. There were times I came in, you know, the house. I remember coming home from, I worked at the church office, and they were at home during the summer, and I came in, and they probably saw fire from my eyes coming out as I walked in the door because I had to come home to take care of something. You know, there were times that it was difficult. There were times that they were kids, but they were really good kids. And um, we really liked them. But one thing that I realized was that every kid is different. And every kid has their problems, their issues, and their struggles. And what works for one child most likely won't work for the other. Um, with Jonathan, we could just tell him no, and he would cry and walk away, repentive. Um, I remember when he was 16 months old, we had taken a trip to Africa, and we came back. I was pregnant with Isaac. And his daddy looked at him and said, you can't have these pacifiers anymore. And he said, okay. And then when he would find them, he would bring them to his daddy. That's how good he was. I mean, it was just that easy. And, um, and then Isaac came along, and his, all his dad wanted him to do was roll up the window. And we talk about this a lot. And son, roll up the window. No. I mean, it's about a 20. I see him out in the pickup forever, 20-minute conversation. I can see Isaac's not happy, and neither is Scott, you know, and finally Scott comes in with him and says, he won. I don't know what else to do. So every kid is different. You've got the easy and you've got the difficult ones, and so everything we do and everything we apply towards our children doesn't always work for the other kids. Um, 
as mothers, we carry a lot of pressure to do it right. I don't know if you've carried that, but you carry a lot of pressure. And what I really feel sorry for is the moms of today, you young moms that are just having children. And um, because you know who saw me raise my children? My family and those people who knew me. The entire world didn't watch me raise my children. And I didn't have the entire world telling me what I needed to do. And um, I didn't have uh, people watching me on Facebook and showing me, you know, me seeing what everybody else is doing and maybe what they're buying for their children or, or where they're going with their kids. And then that feeling of being a mom that I'm not quite matching up to because I can't afford to take a vacation every summer to Disneyland and, or Disney World. And so my kids are missing out. I, I can't imagine being a mom today in today's world. Um, we still had people giving us advice. We still had people that knew what we needed to do, and I learned that maybe I should have listened to them a little more than I did. But um, today's young, young moms have to compete with moms all over the world. Um, I have to, can I hold this? Because I don't have my iPad to do this. Is that okay with y'all? Okay. Um, um, and we... Uh, the pressure for children to excel in whatever your children does is enormous. And when they fail, we take that failure on us. You know, um, when they uh, try at, a, at a, a, maybe a talent contest and they don't win, we feel like we didn't do something. Or maybe if their grades aren't as good as we thought they should be, we feel like we failed because we're not being that mom whose child is being courted at the honor society. Um, my kids were great social children. They weren't great academic children, but they were great social children. And sometimes that pressure of seeing, you know, the kids that are earning all the scholarships, you know, as a mom, you feel like you failed. I should have done more so that my kids could have more. And I think that sometimes we put too much on us. Today's kids must be valedictorian, quarterback, leader in the youth group, part of the National Honor Society, and the list goes on. And I don't mean to say kids shouldn't strive to be their very best. And earning awards and top honors is not bad at all. It's okay, though, if little Johnny comes in closer to the middle of the class than the top. It's okay. There's not anything wrong with that. Somebody has to do it. And it's okay. You're not a failure. You're not a failure if little Johnny can't understand the math. Neither can his mother. That's why you can't explain it to him. It's okay. You as a mom can only love, nurture, and shoot them towards Christ. That's what you can do. Now, you can make them do their homework. You can check on their grades. But you can only do what you can do. As our children grew up, we really placed high value on two things. Now, grades were important, and more important to my husband than to me. He got great grades, I didn't. So see, that's why there's no one. More important. They, I mean, they were important, but there were two other things that were much more important to us. Number one, we wanted them to be kind and respectful to their teachers and their leaders. I don't care if you've got the best grades in the world, you're going to be kind and respectful. And if a teacher called me, there were times I would get a call from the teacher. We were in a small community uh, most of my kids' uh, school years, and we, they knew me. You know, they called me on my cell phone from their cell phone. Linda, you know, um, Isaac's telling everyone in the class today that they're stupid. 
And, well, he, it was Spanish, and he couldn't understand why we were going over it more and more. And, and so, well, let me tell you, I would be standing at their locker after that class period was over. And when they saw me standing at their locker, I would sign in as a guest, reason for here, um, Isaac's success in life. Or Jonathan's success in life. Ask my boys more than once. And when they came around that corner and saw me stand at their locker, they knew it was not good. Mom didn't just come to visit. Because I wanted them to be respectful, respectful leaders. And number two, that God is the most important thing ever. Really, that's number one. God is the most important thing ever in your life. And everything we do is going to be a priority in our life. Everything. We don't do something else. Because church can wait. We do church, and then if we have time, we do something else. Our kids were in extracurricular activities when they wanted to be. Um, they were in baseball and gymnastics, and Jonathan was in everything, speech and drama and everything that could be. And we loved it, and we went and watched them. But these two parents, if they had a baseball game on Wednesday night, and it was during church, they got to go to church. Because we wanted them to know that the first priority of everything in our life is God. He is top. And one baseball game that you're missing does not compare to what you're going to miss when you're in Rangers. You need to be there. You need to be where God is moving. And so that was our two priorities. Yes, we wanted them to make good grades. We needed them to graduate so they could move on. Because those are the things that you think happen when your kids grow up, that they move out, but they don't. Um, we made a priority out of things like girls camp, youth camp, fine arts, convention, weekly youth services. Those were our priorities. No, you get to go do that. No, you've made a commitment. These are the things where you're going to go and God may do something in your life. Um, one of my boys had a friend who was big. I mean, he's an athlete, big into athletics. And one year, um, his dad came to me and said, is Isaac going to be able to do basketball camp this summer? And I said, oh, yeah. I said, oh, no, no. He's going to youth camp. And they said, well, we couldn't afford both, so we needed to set priorities. And my heart broke. Your priority is your child's relationship with Jesus. If there, there aren't any children in here, but I was going to say to them, you know what your mom and dad's priority is? That you know Jesus they want you to know Jesus more than anything else. That was our priority. I was listening to Steve Strope this week on Right Now Media, um, and he was doing a Mother's Day thing, and, and his mom gave a quote. And this is the quote, and it's from Mrs. Billy Graham. It says, If your children grow up to love and serve God, consider it a miracle. And at first I'm like, What? What? What do you mean? I'm going to shoot them arrows. You know, I'm going to do what I can. But she says, Mrs. Billy Graham says, Consider it a miracle. You can do many things. So do all you can and leave the miracle up to God. He did the miracle in us. You're sitting here. So he did the miracle in you. I've lost it. I lost effect. He did the miracle in us. If you do all you can and they grow up to serve God, don't take all the credit. If you do all you can and they don't grow up and serve God, don't take all the blame. I love that. 
I think we carry too much blame. What could we have done different? What should we have done different? Should I have held a male accountable? Was I too hard? If they grow up to serve Jesus, don't take all the credit. And if they don't, don't take all the blame. God gives them to us so that we can shoot them. So today, I have something different. I'm not going to preach the whole message. I've got three of our mothers that are going to come help me. So moms, if you could come. I see you're all here. To come, We're going to have Trisha Winslow and Jan Bird and Shauna Shepard are going to come up. And we're just going to talk a little bit. We're going to talk a little freely. Um, if you're a mom of young children, um, listen. Listen. These women have so much experience and so much wisdom. Um, if you're a mom with older children, listen. Listen. Let them share what God has been uh, putting on their hearts. And so we've got, uh, you all got a microphone here, right here. You're welcome. So, okay, that's um, lead two and three. Okay, so this is what we're going to do today. We're going to have you say your name and how many children you have and do their ages too. Oh, I didn't know it was going to be like a quiz. <laughs> okay. After you have so many kids and you're such an age, you just forget some of these things. Okay. My name is Tricia Winslow, and I have four kids. My oldest is 16, and then I, he's a boy, and then I have a girl who's 14, and a boy who's 12, and a boy who's 7. And I'm Jan Bird, and uh, we have two kids. Uh, John is my nephew who we raised as our own, and he's going to be 49, and uh, my son Joel is 41. My name is Shauna, and I have three children and a son-in-law. My oldest is Lauren, who's 26, and is married to Javier, who I consider one of my kids. And uh, Rebecca is 17. She'll be 18 in just about a, in a week. And Thomas is 15. I think that's important what you said, Shauna. He's your son-in-law. Because when you have a son-in-law or a daughter-in-law, it is huge. Because they have to become one of your children, and then and you can't spank them. You can't spank them as adults anyways. So. No, but you Even probably, though you'd like to. You've got to be a little more gingerly. <laughs> so, okay, so we just have four questions that I've asked them um, today. And I'm just going to let them give their answers. And we'll just let whoever wants to go first go first. Um, if you say, I don't want to answer that one, just don't answer it, okay? Don't say, I hated that question, Linda, don't say it. All righty, number one, or number two, because I've asked you um, how long you've been a mom, what do you find to be the most challenging aspect of being a mom? I think the most challenging aspect is that each one is different and trying to figure out how to raise them differently. What, like what you said, what one works with one child does not work with the other child. And then sometimes what worked with that child the first time doesn't work with them the second time. So it's constantly changing. And just trying to figure out their unique personalities and what they need from you as a mom. And then sending them out in the world and hoping that you did the best for them. When I was growing up, I remember looking at my parents and really just thinking that they were part of my life. Not that I was part of their life. And thinking that they were there to serve me and they knew everything that there was to know about me and for me and do all the, they knew all the answers. 
So when I grew up and became a mom, I realized how far from the truth that really is. <laughs> and I think that's one of the most challenging things is to realize that I do not know what I'm doing. And the only way I can even kind of do this right is with the grace of God. And so sometimes it's challenging for me to, to actually wait and listen for the Holy Spirit to lead me in, in making some of those decisions. I tend to be very emotional and quick to act. And that has been probably more damaging than, than I'd like to admit. But um, that's a big challenge is to not let my emotions kind of dictate my behavior toward my kids sometimes. When Linda asked me to serve up here, I said, why would you ask me? I have nothing. I have nothing. <laughs> um, <clears throat> no, that's the way I feel most of the time. And as I get older, I've realized, and I want to preface that before I answer any questions, is that the more I serve the Lord and the more I walk with him and the more I parent, my husband and I parent, the less I know. I don't know if that resonates with any of you or not, but I feel so insignificant um, in the whole role of parenting. Um, the most challenging aspect of being a mom for me is watching your kids make decisions that aren't good and letting them go to face the consequences of their own actions. It's like watching a train wreck. And you have very little control. Let me say that again. You have no control. They're still your kids in their 40s, but you have no control. And you know what? You really have very little control when they're little either. You can watch over them. You guard them. You shepherd them. You shoot the arrows. But the results are in God's hand. Amen. I remember when Jonathan first went off to college, being able to do that and say, what are you, you know, we couldn't, we had to let him make decisions. And they were stupid. <laughs> decisions, you know. And, you know, you're thinking, son, what are you doing? That's a stupid decision. But we had to let him learn that and come up, come off and learn from the consequences and then make the right decisions. It's very difficult. Okay, so um, what lessons have you learned from Scripture that have made you a better mom? Are there any lessons in Scripture that, that, that have taught you to be a better mom? Um, all of them. <laughs> but um, I think one thing that I always go back to is that my children's hearts are in the hands of God, not my hands. And that God will care for their hearts the way he has cared for mine. There's so many things that have happened in my life that should have crushed me or destroyed me. Um, but because God cares for my heart, I am who I am today. And I know that God is faithful to do that very same thing in my children's hearts. And so I pray all the time over them, that he will protect the seeds that are planted in their hearts until they grow deep roots and become what he has designed for them to be because there's no way that I can, that I can do that in their life. And I have to just not let that, um, that fear of what the future may bring come and overtake my thoughts because I just have to remember God's grace was enough for me and God's grace is enough for them. Lessons in scripture. 
I think with every situation, God taught me another lesson in Scripture. Um, I don't think it's just one Scripture. I think it's um, being diligent about pursuing your own relationship with the Lord. You have simply got to stay close to the Lord. You cannot draw your peace upon any other source but the Lord. Um, and through the good times and bad, and there's good times too, of course, but um, we've had particularly not good times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing now. I have a sense of humor. Sorry, warped sense of humor. <laughs> but <clears throat> I think that, you know, the, uh, with every situation, seeking the Lord, depending on him, knowing that he's there for you is everything. Everything, anything that goes around the outside of that is peripheral because God doesn't say he's going to, if you draw close to me, then everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to turn out all right. Everything's going to be beautiful and lovely and wonderful, and you can make your own podcast. It doesn't <laughs> always turn out that way. <laughs> and so you have to find a reason to go on. You have to find a reason to keep pushing through. And I would also say that through Scripture, Jerry and I have learned to be very close to one another. You married your husband. You didn't marry your kids. Love, love, love my kids. It's not your husband. It's not your wife. If you don't have that foundation, you're going to have a really, really difficult time because sometimes your kids fail. And when they do, you have to find that purpose you have to find that love, that passion to go on. And so only through scripture, only through staying close to him and in prayer and in the word will you find that. So I learned a lot about grace. So that would probably be my biggest thing is that as a parent, you're going to make really good choices and you're going to make really bad choices. And it's okay to go up to your kids and say, you know what, I was wrong. And that's something... It took me a long time to really be able to say that and to say, you know, I'm sorry for that. Can you please forgive me? We expect our kids to say they're sorry when they've messed up, and it's okay for us as parents and as mothers to admit that we mess up too. We're human and um, really have that conversation and be open with them about how we're going to make it better the next time if it happens again. So really grace is, you know, God is just full of his love and his grace and he he sees our failures and he loves us through them. And sometimes with our children, we need them to see our failures and love us through it too. Can I say one more thing? Absolutely. I was just going to go off um, what you were saying, Jan, and that is that I find that I am I'm a better mom when I am right in the middle of what God's will is for me. I'm a better mom when I am listening for God's voice and when I am letting him heal my heart. And when I am letting him lead me and tell me and, and listen for his voice, like I'm, I've learned, I've seen, because there are times when I was momming and I wasn't doing those things. I was momming in my own strength and my own power and my own ideas and my own thoughts. And I'm such a better mom when I am right in the middle of what God has for me and not what I have for me. Okay, number um, four. If you could go back, <laughs> we wouldn't have children. No, I'm just teasing. Okay. <laughs> Maybe not as many. Oh, wait. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> None of them are in here. It's okay. No, that's okay. I love you all. Um, if you go back, if you could go back and relive any part of your parenting, what would you change? 
So I wouldn't. I wouldn't go back. Um, there are times that I miss with my kids when they were young and they would curl up on my lap and I could read them stories. But I have so much excitement and hope for every new aspect of their life. Um, I have a daughter that's getting ready to go to college. I have another one that's getting, um, that might be joining the military soon. And there's just so much excitement and hope in being able to be there with them and walk through them with this and you know, try and give them some sound advice and hopefully they listen to me, knowing that that won't always happen, but lots of prayer and just being able to, I just have so much hope and excitement for their future that I don't want to, to go back. I don't have a regret. I don't have anything that I would want to relive. Um, <clears throat> just the greatest delight in being a parent and being a mom. Uh, loved every minute of it, um, some less than others, <laughs> uh, you know, but <clears throat> no, it's, it's just, I don't have any regrets whatsoever. And I also think that that's part of being in the Lord as well. When you say that, Tricia, that you have got to give your shortcomings to the Lord. You can't live there. You can't dwell there. You can't dwell on, on guilt. You can't dwell on things that you could have, should have. Um, what one of my friends said, um, don't should have all over yourself. <clears throat> Not healthy. Well, it isn't. Give me a minute. <laughs> you get that, Scott? <laughs> because it just isn't healthy. It's a bad place to be, whether you're a mom or whether you're any, a Christian in any way. God, there's no condemnation. Now, no, if stuff comes up that's very obvious, like, Shauna said, you've got to ask for forgiveness and go on, but you can't live there. You've got to think on good things. You have got to pursue the Lord and go forward with hope. So, no, I don't, I really don't have any part that I would relive. I have no regrets. We, we, when we go to sleep at night, when Jerry and I go to sleep at night, we know we did everything we could. And I think that's what you need to strive for, like Linda said is to make sure that you place the Lord first, that you make sure your kids have that opportunity to see Jesus at work, that they have the opportunity to love him the way that you love him, that they have the opportunity to see his kingdom and his people. And uh, if you do all you can in that respect, then you've done your best. And real quick on that, I think that if you dwell in, I don't think it's you dwelling in it, I think it's Satan holding it like trying to hold it over you when you get stuck in those ruts where you're reminded of your failures or you're reminded of the things that you've done wrong or things that you could have done better I think that's trying to keep you from God it's Satan's way of putting that little wedge between you and your relationship with God a lot of times just to to keep you from that so you got to remember that God doesn't want you to focus on those either like you said so yes I agree with all that <laughs> but I would say that we could probably talk about this one for a while um, just because I think mom guilt's a real thing and it's something that I've dealt with a lot. And, you know, I totally agree a hundred percent with what these two ladies have said. And I would probably sit up here and say the exact same words because I believe it's true. But I also have to say, it's not that easy. It's not as easy as just saying, Oh, oops, I messed up. Okay, move on. Yay. You know, it's not always that easy. And, um, you know, I think sometimes, and I don't know, I don't, I don't know what everyone's journey is, but sometimes the mom guilt is, I mean, it's pretty real. And, you know, looking back on things that 
Get your Kleenex. <laughs> I, I'm going to cry. I just knew it was going to happen at least once. <laughs> but, you know, looking back on things that, that you think you messed up or things that you think you did wrong, I look back at my growing up years, and, you know, honestly, I could tell you. I can list you some things my mom did wrong. And I know every one of us in this room can list the things our moms did wrong, how they failed us, how they messed us up, why we're so messed up because of our moms, whatever. You know. Yeah. But, but we also know that, that we are the people that we are today because of them, because of their mistakes, because of their um, failures. My kids are going to be who they are because I messed up, because they have to learn to lean on Christ on their own, and they're not going to learn that if I'm perfect They're not going to learn to turn to the Holy Spirit if I'm always in their ear telling them the right thing to do. God has given me as their mom because he knows I can do it, even when I don't think I can. And my mom did it when she didn't think she could. And all the mistakes that we all make are redeemed by Jesus Christ. And I have to remember that I could look back on all the things that I've done that have messed up my kids that are going to send them to therapy, whatever. <laughs> but they're going to sit there and they're going to say, but I know that my mom loved Jesus. And I know that my mom was pointing me toward Jesus. And so going back and looking over the things that I've done wrong, I think, yeah, I've messed up. I wish there's things I could do different. And I will think about those things, but I will also know that those are part of what is going to make me who I'm supposed to be and part of what's going to make them who they're supposed to be as we allow Jesus to redeem those things. Anyway, that's it. I was just going to say that I would make my kids eat more vegetables, and I'm really serious about that. I would feed them more variety of things. Um, that's one thing I would go back and do. Not that's all. <laughs> because they don't eat anything now. That's what I was going to say. But y'all's are much more spiritual than mine were. More vegetables. You, ha- you should have them eat things that, that you don't like. Because they may like them. That's just a little bit of advice out there for you. Okay. I tried that. Did you? And it's just a fight. Yep. I don't know fight. if I would go back and do that again. <laughs> I, would buy, right. I would buy things that, for me, that I thought that they wouldn't like, like cottage cheese, spinach, uh-huh. things. They love it all. I'm like, you guys are weird kids. <laughs> Brussels sprouts. They love all that stuff. Oh. My mom started drinking Diet Coke, so we'd quit drinking it. Because we'd drink all the Coke before she'd get some. And so she started drinking Diet Coke, and we didn't drink it. Okay, number five. Was there an event, a book, or counseling that you received that helped you in that progress of being a mother? Some kind of resource that you could... Well, I will say um, my mom is an invaluable resource in my parenting. Um, I just sat up here and said she made a lot of mistakes, but she was a really phenomenal mom. And she has a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so when I was going through some of the super darkest times, you know, um, 
I said a little bit of my story before, but um, I went through really, really deep, dark postpartum depression and severe debilitating anxiety for probably three or four years after my littlest one was born. And it was brutal. And if I hadn't had my mom there to counsel me through that, I don't know where I'd be. Um, Of course, Jesus and the Bible, we're all going to say that's great, and it is. But I will also say the book Believing God by Beth Moore, it's not a parenting resource, it's not a mom resource, but it is a faith-building resource. And so that one, for sure, really encouraged my faith through those really hard times and um, changed changed a lot of the way that I was able to cope with that stuff. So I can't say that there's an event or a book other than, of course, you know, Jesus, Jesus and, and the accepting, Bible. accepting the Lord as my Savior, those kind of events. Um, it would be my, my ladies, my friends, um, the ladies that I can turn to and say, this is what's going on in my life with me, with my husband, with my kids, and making sure that they're good Christian women that I can go and seek sound advice from. Um, different parts of my life um, from when before we moved out here when I was in Ohio I had another friend that had an older child and two younger child uh, children like I do and she was able to help guide me through some of those changes with our family life and then being out here just having really good friends that I can turn to and say you know please pray for me please what what do you think of this or how how would you deal with this and just knowing that they're going to think and pray about it before they answer me I echo that with both the ladies. Yeah. And then the hardest part with that with, with goes along with that was as a parent, um, fine, it, it took me a long time to take time for me to make time to go to lunches with my friends or coffee with my friends. Don't neglect yourself. That would be the one advice that I give to new moms. You are still you. Take time for you. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So... We've both summarized it with fellowship with other believers and mm-hmm. women who understand and men who understand. I, I thank the Lord for our small group people that we've had on and off for, what, 12, 15 years now. We've been in the same circle of friends. They are a delight to us. They um, have helped me through so many, many difficult times. Um, it's just a, a sweet blessing. Um, and I don't think there's any one um, event because there's been so many events. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, and so it's not really one thing that changed my whole life, and now I'm a better person. It didn't do that. So, again, it's diligence in the Word. And I put that above any of the other books that I read, but the last book that I read that really was meaningful to me would have been um, Don't... Um, yeah, What is the Book by Max Lucado. Um, the last... That's it. Be Anxious for Nothing. Yeah, Be Anxious for Nothing was a very good book for me for last year. Um, It it just reiterated, reminded me of what I already know about the Lord, but it was very well said, and it was very comforting to me and very encouraging to me. Um, And I think as we're talking, it's just layer upon layer upon layer upon layer that God builds you who you are so that you're prepared for whatever hits. Uh, and so that's, that's about it. The counseling that I received from other people, it was more just me whining to them. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes you need that. 
I need that all the time. <laughs> I need that all the time. I don't, you know, I just, a lot of times you go through things where people don't have an answer for you. Um, and I don't have an answer for me or for what we've gone through. But God knows. And so there again, you gain your strength and your rock and your foundation from him, and you just keep going forward. You don't quit. And can I say, I also think that there's no way I could be the mom I am without the husband I have. That's in my sermon later, but go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I, okay, I'll try not to preach a message, but I'll just say <laughs> that, you know, it takes, it, you, when you've got a great marriage, and you've got a great dad who's supporting you. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's great. And I couldn't be that mom without, without my husband. So thank you. One more thing. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to note that you know that Jerry and I are first-generation Christians. That's a whole different mindset. And I, it, it may be difficult for some to understand that, but when you have nobody in your family that's a Christian and you've been raised in a non-Christian environment, when you grab a hold of what God has for you, um, it, we needed to be put in a cage for quite a while because we, it was so, so transforming to our lives from darkness to light like that. And I, I'm not kidding. It was just within 24 hours we were different people, different goals, different life. And so that's one of the reasons that um, I tend to be a little over the top with my message about diligence in the word, <laughs> because that has been my anchor and my hope and my rope and everything goes on. And I didn't have people to call upon. I didn't have relatives. I had no example. I just knew that I wanted to be a really good mom. That was my whole goal in mothering, was to be a really, the best I could be. And in many ways, to be the best that my mom wasn't. That didn't work out too well. Just want you to, it's not, not a really great attitude to have. <laughs> my mom tried the best she could with what she had. She didn't have Jesus, so it made it really difficult. So there you go. And my family... My mom died when I was 22. My dad died when I was 10. And my mom was married two additional times after that. And they all died, and a brother died, before I was 21. So that, there in that, I did not have that foundation and that anchor to go to. So God was my only source. And some wise person told me, early in my walk, put the word of God above all your books, because I love to read everything. Put the word of God first. Then you read the self-help books, you read the fictions, you read everything else because they have to compare to what you've learned in the Lord. That was said to me because they knew that I didn't have that foundation. So that was invaluable to me. For those of your moms that are first generation Christians, I don't know. But I think the same word applies to you as well. Don't you think it's so important, especially if you don't have a Christian mom, that you have women who are older than you who are Christians who can help you and give you those godly directions and um, what the word says it's so important um, Pastor Scott talks all the time about having accountability partners um, I find that is necessary in my life I have to have 
those people that I can take my children's issues with, my personal issues um, to, that I can discuss with and say, I am really struggling today. And the good, great thing about that is you can send a text and just say, you know, um, my, my daughter is struggling today with such and such. Well, once you've already spent so much time with them, they already know why she's struggling. And so they can immediately pray. And so it's so important that you find moms um, that can really, really um, speak into your life. So ladies, thank you so much. Um, I can, you don't have to sit up here unless you want to through the rest of this. Mm-hmm. I'm good. You don't? You sure you don't want to? No, just leave it off. They'll turn it off in the back. So there are two things I know for sure. If you have children, there are two things I know for sure. One, you're called to be a mom. And if you're called to be a mom, then you're blessed. You're blessed. And even if you got those children you have by accident, you weren't planning them. I have a lot of friends on Facebook that are my age. I'm 49. A lot of friends on Facebook that are my age, and they're adopting babies. And I, I want to just message them and say, Why? Why are you doing that? I mean, is this your grandchildren? I get that. You know, if the, but you're just adopting babies. You know, uh, if they just came into your life by accident, if you didn't plan to raise your grandchildren, whatever it was, God knew them before they were born. He knew them in the womb, and he knew what was going to happen. He knew that one day you would be raising them. And so count yourself blessed God says, you can do this. You know, you're not going to do it perfect. I love what Trisha says. Because you didn't do it perfect, you make great kids. If you did it perfect, what would they learn? They have to learn. And you can be a great mom. The second thing I know is you don't have to do it alone. We talked about that a lot up here. One of the things, if you're married, count yourself blessed. Scott has made me a better mother. And to the young moms that may be in the room, let me tell you one of the hardest things about being a mom when you have little kids is your husband getting on them. And you don't think it's fair. That will tear your heart out because you want to go to the rescue. He made my boys men. When I would have kept them as little boys, I would have protected them. Have you heard about my umbilical cord that stretches to Texas? I would have protected them and nurtured them and kept them from anything that would have hurt their feelings. But Scott said, no, I am their dad. So moms, let dad be dad. And if you need to cry or be upset about it, go to the bathroom. That's what I did. Go to the bathroom and cry because he is teaching your, some, your children something they need to know from their father. I remember one time Scott went to China and we had just moved into a new home. It was a modular home um, out in Strasburg. There was no landscaping. It was all just mud. And um, I'm an independent woman. That's all right. You know, he left to see you, and we get in the minivan, and we're driving, and we are stuck in no time. And what am I going to do? Scott's in China. Here I am stuck. My boys were fifth, sixth grade maybe. I think Jonathan was fifth grade. had just graduated fifth grade. And um, my husband drove a little Amigo what was that? A Zuzu? Some kind of, it's a, that's what it's called, Amigo. It's a little four-wheel drive thing someone had given us. And the boy said, Mom, we can just take the Amigo. No, son, I don't know how to put it in four-wheel drive. We do. 
That was the moment I learned a lesson. That if he didn't make them get out and learn those things, he wasn't being lazy. He was making them learn things they needed to know. And he, he rescued me from China because he taught my boys how to do something. And the van sat out there for two weeks. But, and we drove the Amiga. But because my boys, because if you will let your husband be what he needs to be to your children... I'm here to be honest. Isn't that what I always do when I get up here? It's painful to watch your children cry. It's painful when you think that maybe it's too hard on them. It's not too hard on them. My boys are men today because their daddy was a daddy. He, regardless if I'd let him or not, he was a daddy. So women, let your husband be the daddy. Um. If you have godly people in your life that have walked this path before, count yourself blessed. Like Jan said, she didn't have a mom that had walked her this way before. I have a great mom, a great mom, but she was in Africa most of the time my kids were growing up, and that was when it was too expensive to call Africa. And um, so we had to find great moms. Great moms. I traveled for years with Patty Neely. She's not here. I can say this. For years before we ever passed our pastoring here, I was traveling with her. Great mom. Great advice. Even when you don't want to hear the answer they give you, listen to those people in your life. They make you a better mom. When you think you can do it all by yourself, you cannot do it all by yourself. Especially in today's society, everybody is telling you how you should raise your children. And here's something else. This is what I've been um, contemplating and thinking, and I've been talking to Scott about it. Um, We were strict on our kids. Strict. I mean, church and God came first. That's the way it was. No dancing. Well, in the house, no going to dances. No R-rated movies. I mean, we were strict. And as your kids grow up, society begins to tell them things too. So we're telling them something, and although they believe it and they're all good kids, society is telling them something. This is the way it's going with your kids. Society, their friends, their teachers at school. Once they go to college, the college, everybody. And you know what? Even though you do this and you've got your kids here, as they grow, they begin to move. And if you haven't shot them the right direction, they're moving. Everything's different. The way that my parents raised me, I'm a little more, um, lack for, for lack of a better word, liberal. Not as conservative as they were, maybe. You know, um, then, you know, as your kids, they begin to do that. And if you haven't instilled those things in them, if you've just been lackadaisical and you figure they'll learn what they believe and they'll know who they are and they're going to find themselves, you're going to find yourself wishing you had. Because if you have to tell them What is right or wrong? Because they cannot figure it out by themselves. They have got to have you holding them accountable. Because when they grow up, as Jen said, when they grow up, you can't do anything else. Oh, you can say, you can talk, you can speak the words, but they get to make their own decisions. So make sure that you're showing them who Christ is and the foundation of Christ and what it means to serve Christ and what it means to be set apart from the world 
to be set. I am different than them. I am set apart and what that looks like. Because if you don't do that, one day you'll look up and they won't be set apart. They'll be apart. So it's so important that you do that. I know it's frustrating when um, that little grandma tries to tell you what to do. <laughs> um, I know it's irritating when the older grandma, I am that now, um, gets on to your children or it kind of instructs them. I know that's irritating. But listen to them. They've done this before. They have some insight. They know what it means to go down that road. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Some of us are waiting for that scripture to ring true. We are. I have a brother. My parents are waiting for that scripture to ring true when they get old. But the, we know the word is true. God's word is right. There's not anything false in it. So you have to hold on to that. Train up a child. But if you don't train up the child in the way he should go. It's kind of like my if now theory, if then theory. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. You have to train up that child in the way he should go. Psalms 127, 4 through 5 said, and it still does say, Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hand. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. Children born to young men are like arrows in a warrior's hand. You know what that means? What do you do with arrows? You shoot them. Where are you shooting your children? Shoot those arrows, moms. Shoot them towards Christ. Do whatever you can to have those kids at kids camp and youth camp. Do whatever you can. Those are life-changing moments. People called to the ministry. People called to um, serve in their church. Children, kids with um, total transformations at kids camp and youth camp. Moms, do what you can to get them there. Point them towards Christ. Let him be your first priority, not everything else. And then if we don't have anything else going, then we'll go to church. That's backwards. Let him be your priority. Not sports, not school, not activities, and then church. Do church and then. Just a little advice from a mom. Could you stand with me this morning? I want to pray with you. And then Trisha's going to come and honor our mothers. God, I just pray, Father, right now, Lord God, for our moms. Lord, there are those women, Lord God, in our congregation this morning, Lord, that are grieving, Lord, because they've lost their mom. Today is the day they remember. We pray, God, that you come and you comfort her. Lord, there are moms here, Lord God, that their children, Lord, are so far from you, God. And there doesn't seem to be any hope. But God, come and remind them, Father, God, that your promises are yes and amen. And God, your word, Father, doesn't return void. And Lord, for those moms, Lord God, who are raising children, Lord, whatever age they may be. And Lord God, we're constantly battling society and what society says we should or should not be doing. God, I pray, Father, that they would adopt the theory, <laughs> I don't care. This is what God says I should be doing. This is where God says I should be going. 
And God, I pray that you give them the ability, Father, to love their children, to shoot their children towards you, God. The ability, Lord God, the boldness and the courage to say no. <laughs> no. God comes first. God comes first. And Lord God, that today, Lord, as we celebrate these moms, Lord, what a joy it is for me to be a mom. Lord, and those who may be here, Lord, who have never had that opportunity, we pray, God, that you bless them. That you be with them today, Lord. That you carry them today, Father. And God, I pray, Lord, that you help us, Lord, to recognize what you made when you made motherhood. And God, we will give you all the glory. You guys, you can all be seated for just a moment. Um, I'm just going to talk, talk, what Linda was talking about is how, how, one of the things she mentioned is how society and how all the voices are coming at us all the time. And as moms, as a mom, I can relate to that. And I can say parenting is absolutely 100% the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, probably ever will do in my life. And, you know, the voices that come at us all the time make it a little bit harder. I want to read to you Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season, their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. And that goes back to kind of what Jan was saying, too. We can prosper. We will prosper as we focus our ear to the one voice that matters. I want to read a little thing I just wrote here for you. This is something that God has shared with me many times over the seasons of mothering, and I want to share it with you. God meets us where we are, moms, in every season. He is the rest for the new mom. He's the patience for the mom of the toddler. He's the energy for the mom of the elementary schooler. He's the strength for the mom of the middle schooler. He's the wisdom for the mom of the teenager. He is the joy for the mom of the adult. And he's the hope for the mom of the babies who are having babies, the grandmas. He is all you need in every season. All right, if you moms will stand up. I'm going to just say another quick prayer over you from right where you are. If you're sitting next to a mom, your mom, someone else's mom, reach out, grab their hand, put your hand on their shoulder, something. We're just going to pray over them as a blessing today. And moms, as you leave, we have a gift for you. You can take a gift out of one of the baskets by the back door as you are on your way out. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for these moms. Lord, I just pray that you will bless them. Lord, I pray that their ears would be attuned to your voice that their hearts would be ready to respond to your voice, that the words that come out of their mouth will be your words, that they would be your hands extended to their children. Lord, I pray over their children. 
the moms who are waiting for kids to come back to you, the moms who are raising little ones. Lord, I just pray a protection over their hearts right now in the name of Jesus. God, we stand in the gap asking you to bring, bring back your sheep, the ones who are straying, Lord. Lord, I pray that you will protect the hearts of the little ones who have heard your words, Lord God. Protect those seeds that are planted in their hearts. Lord, I pray that you will strengthen the arms of the moms who have become weary. And Lord, I pray that you will continue to revive your spirit in them. Revive your passion in their hearts, Lord God. That they can remember that you, God, are the one who are leading them. Because your word says you lead those who have young. Even if those young have grown up to be old, you still lead us as moms. Lord, I just pray over them today that they will feel your presence, your peace, your blessing, and your joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful day.